listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What I wanted to talk about as we're coming into this, and I... It's very important to talk about it because I don't think a lot of Christians believe it. I, I honestly think that there's a lot of Christians that don't understand or believe what's happening in, in the end times, which we are in the final moments of time. But um, in Mark, in Matthew chapter five, I want to show you something because I want to just look, we're going to look in to control and how easy people, people are always like, man, you, you could never control me. They'd never control me. They'd never have control of my life. I would do my own thing. People always say that, but I don't think people recognize how many avenues that the government already has to control the population. If they ever wanted to fully go that direction and fully go that route. Tonight brought to you by diet sun-kissed orange. Um, there's already so many things like, can you imagine, think about this? Hello, beautiful girl. That's my wife, by the way, I'm talking to on Facebook. Can you imagine there's Charlie Champ? Love you, buddy. Imagine how quickly that all riots would shut down. If the government just said never again, will anybody that's involved in riots, be allowed to have any type of assistance, none. So imagine this, that you could never, ever have social security. You could never draw social security ever. Even after you retired, it could be 50 years from now, which it won't be around anyway, but you can never draw social security. You can never get uh, a student loan. You could never get um, any kind of uh, health benefits. You could never get Medicare, Medicaid, um, I mean, if you if you just went down the list, imagine how quickly things would stop if the government just said anybody that's not that's involved in this will never receive any kind of government assistance. It would stop overnight. It would stop overnight. Um, and if you think that that's not what's going to happen, it's absolutely what the Bible prophesies will happen. If you read Revelation chapter 13, the Bible says that government control will be used for things that people need in order to set up an antichrist system and agenda. So when it goes to that point, like we're in the middle of the tribulation, not we personally, but those that will be there in the middle of the tribulation and um, government control via you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything. That's what the Bible says that no man will be allowed to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. And so you start to realize that those kinds of things are already, I mean, remember this, remember this. What if, I mean, there's already things set up now to where if you're in trouble, if you get indicted, you think about like somebody like if you were taking place in organized crime, they can freeze all of your accounts. You know, they can freeze everything that you've got. You, you don't have access to any of your accounts, any of your credit cards, nothing. They, they, freak, they can freeze everything. But imagine when they start talking to large portions of the population and saying that you can't. So let me, let me make it practical for you and for me. 
just something like that happened this morning, right? So we just came through a time where churches were shut down basically because they just agreed to be shut down. The government said, you can't meet and gather. And they said, that's fine. We won't. (laughs) That's basically what happened. All right. You've got us out of our church buildings. Now we're locked up in our homes. It was not quarantine, by the way. It was just house arrest because quarantine is when you make sick people stay away from the population. House arrest is when you make healthy people stay away from the population. And so we were on a a forced house arrest and um, sitting in our homes, can't go to church, can't gather at church. Now think about this. Think about the control that was exerted against the church. They said we can't gather. Okay, we didn't gather, right? But then look what happened in multiple states where they said, well, you can still do church online. You can have like 10 people in your building. Okay, we brought 10 people into our buildings, spaced them out on the platform. Everybody's little, they're a little six feet apart from each other. We had 10 people in the building. And then, you know what they said? You know what the next thing was? They watched our live streams. And this happened in Kentucky and California. And they said, well, you can do live streams, but no singing. No singing. (laughs) Think about that. No singing. No singing. So we've only got 10 people in the whole building. But now you're telling us that we're not allowed to sing because of the virus. So now I can't even offer praise unto my God, even when I'm socially distanced. I want you to think about this. I want you to stop and think about this. I can't offer praise unto my, when by the way, I mean, forget about the Bible commanding us to gather together as believers. Let's go beyond that. How many times does the Bible command us to sing and praise God? How many times does the Bible command believers to sing and to praise God? But they said, no, no, while we're in this time, no singing. We don't care if there is only 10 people in your building. We don't care if you are properly socially distanced. You can't sing. It's like, okay, okay. And people are like, oh, okay, sorry about that. I didn't know. I mean... Where look at everything that's going on right now. All the rioting, all the all of the protests, people lying down two inches from each other saying I can't breathe, all of that. Where is the social distancing now? Where's the coronavirus now? And I prophesied, for those of you that were on the broadcast, you remember, I prophesied that just as quickly as coronavirus blew in, it would blow out just as quickly and people would not even reference it or talk about it. And if you were on that broadcast, or mo- I said it multiple times, throw a hand up in the comment section if you remember me saying that and prophesying that, that just as quickly as coronavirus blew in, it would blow out and nobody would reference it. Nobody would talk about it. And now here we are. Where's the whole coronavirus team? Where's all the updates? Where's all the new cases? And we've got people packed together and rioting. We've got people packed together on fields. They got people packed together, bowing down. I can't breathe. And there's no new Corona cases. And just as quick as it was on every single uh, rotation of the news, it's nowhere to be found and nobody's talking about it. And all the attention has shifted away from it. And just like the Holy Spirit said to us, just as quickly as it came, it'll go. And it's nowhere. I mean, literally, you can go around now it, it, like it's no, like it's nothing. 
Stuff's open back up. People are sitting in restaurants with no mask. People are going into the gym with no mask. I did it. I was in my gym, no mask, out to eat, no mask, all the stuff. Nobody cares. And now my wife is being shamed. You know, my wife was on a, a flight today. My, my wife was on a flight and some nut job who's very lucky that I wasn't there. She's drinking a coffee. You can't drink coffee through a mask, you nut job. And they said you can do that. Tons of people through the airport with no mask on. And this guy has to turn around. It's like Brother Glenn said, total social shaming. You need to, this guy actually said this to my wife today on the plane. You need to put your mask back on. She said, I'm drinking a coffee. Mind your own business. No. You know what he said to her? You've been drinking that coffee for too long. It's time to put your mask back on. I was like, brother, I I will slap you <laughs> like a redheaded stepchild. You nut job. It's time for you to put your mask. You, you just told my wife that you've been drinking your coffee for too long. You must have lost your mind. It's time for you to put your mask. Like, who are you talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? And that's what the that's what's going on in culture is that we're being shamed from every direction. I wasn't there, thank God, because nobody on the broadcast, none of the Victory Tribe has to send in a bailout seed. <laughs> thank God for no bailout seed. But I'm, I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, Zach. I'm just telling you right now, we're, we're in a culture, we're being shamed. Let me tell you something. We're being shamed to the point, the, these, these are like mobs. If you don't know it, I dealt with it last night. These are like mafia. They're like mafia. It's like the social mafia. It's the social mafia. It's exactly what it is. If you don't do what they want for, for Corona, you get shamed in public. And the cultural shaming starts and you get the peer pressure that starts coming down on you. Social mafia. Got to do what we tell you to do or else we're going to. And then, and then now you, it happens with everything. Just It's the same spirit that's on the LGBTQ community. That if you don't do what they want, say what they want, act how they want, then they're going to come against you and give their, give their little LGBTQ mafia and try to lean on you. It's the same thing that's going on right now that if you don't post a little black square in, 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 in your Instagram feed, then you've got a problem and you, you're a racist. If you don't have a black square on your feed, I'm not playing the game. I'm not playing the game with your little, with your little culture mob, your little culture mafia. People are, they've lost their minds. If you think I'm going to come in and play a little game and you're going to shame me into blacking something out. I don't have to post a black square into Instagram to love people or to prove I'm not racist. I've given my whole life to it. You know, people have lost their minds. If you think I'm going to play some little game because you're a little cultural mafia, you're going to come around here and try to shame me in public. Well, you should have used your platform as a minister more responsibly. You can't use it any more responsibly than I am winning souls, seeing sick healed, seeing people be, being delivered from drugs and demons. Has nothing to do with a nice little cute black square. Has nothing to do with that. And I'm not going to be shamed, and neither should you be, by some little cultural mafia running around trying to make you feel like you have to conform to the spirit of this world. And it is the spirit of this world. It's not the spirit of God. That's why I posted that Mike 
uh, Todd video last night. I'm not a black Christian, a white Christian, a Puerto Rican Christian. I'm not a Peruvian Christian. No, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian first. In the Bible says in the kingdom, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That stuff fades away. Your kingdom first. I'm a kingdom citizen before I'm anything else. I'm a kingdom citizen before I'm an American. I don't think, I don't think people get that. I don't have, I don't have a, a more of a loyalty to my nation than I do to the kingdom. I don't have more. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying, Charlie. It's like, how about spending your life? People, you want to shame me or somebody like Charlie? You don't know anybody else that's going into the south side of Chicago and Newark and Camden and Philly and all these places for their entire life preaching the gospel and seeing people changed. So don't, I don't, the reason I don't have to go out and pretend that I love people is because I'm actually doing the work of loving people. So I, I really don't care about some little cultural mafia that's gonna gonna shame try to shame us into thinking that we have to do exactly what what they want or we're not fit to be on social media, and it's ridiculous. It's just it's all manipulation tactics, it's all uh, behavioral modification. You should do more than it's like okay. What do you think's gonna change? Because if people think that they're going to change the sinful hearts of men with a picket sign, you don't know what you're doing or what you're talking about. You've lost your mind. Hate will always exist as long as there's sin. Until people get that into their brains, they will not function properly in the kingdom. You cannot change people by debate. You can't change people by legislation. You can't change people by conversation. You can only change people by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the heart of a man coming to Jesus. As long as sin exists, hate will exist. That's the whole point. And so I want you to understand this is that people have put their faith in the wrong thing. And once again, as I said last night and three nights ago, I'm not against our right to peacefully protest, peacefully assemble. I'm not against that. You should do it. Do it. But don't do it at the expense of the kingdom. And don't do it uh, in place of what you should be doing as a believer that actually will bring about greater change. Amen. Bring about greater change. Because I don't know any Christians that are out there murdering. <laughs> I don't know any Christians that I'm talking about Christians that are out there uh, maiming people and, and uh, crippling people and destroying people's businesses and burning places down. I don't know any Christians doing that because when you're a Christian, your heart changes. And when your heart changes, your life changes. And when your life changes, your actions change to conform to the image of God's dear son, Jesus Christ. We become like him. So I don't know. I don't know any Christians that are out there doing that stuff. I don't know any, and you don't either. And if, and I said this the other night, and if people say they are a Christian, but still hate their brother, first John chapter four tells us that that person is a liar and has no part in the kingdom of God for God is love. So the Bible tells us very plainly in first John chapter four, you can't, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. That person is a liar and has no part of the kingdom. 
So I'm not talking about, you know, people come in. Well, I know somebody that said they were a Christian, but they were out there hurting people. I don't care what they said. Being a Christian is not about what you said or what you say. It's about what you actually do. Faith without works is dead. Bottom line, faith without works is dead. Being alone. So it has nothing to do with what you say. It's what you do. You know, if if you're a husband or if you're a wife and you just grabbed your spouse by the neck every day and just rained down blows into their nose all while saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. At some point, they're going to probably stop believing that you love them because it's very hard to believe as you're breaking their nose over and over and over and shattering cheekbones. No question. And that's a point I made, Glenn. Christians should be protecting people. One of the most infuriating things that I saw was the cowardice of this nation. Because I know Glenn Karam, and I know me, and I know many of you that are on there today. If we were standing there in Minnesota watching for nine straight minutes, nine minutes, as this officer is digging his neck into the back of a man who ended up dying later, We're not going to all stand there with our phones out filming it like a bunch of little punks. The problem of this generation is everybody wants someone else to do the work. Put your phone in your pocket and take action. Because I don't know about you, but I am willing to spend a year, two years in jail. If it even got that far, it wouldn't because I'd get some good lawyers. And stop that corrupt murderous, racist officer from killing a man. You say, well, you'd you'd be obstructing uh, justice and obstructing his investigation. The man wasn't even resisting. He was just laying on the ground calling for his mom, saying, I can't breathe. So I would rather take the risk of having to go into legal, a legal battle, put your phone in your pocket, and as a Christian, stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. See, these are the same punks that go around quoting Romans 13 as to why they can't go to church. Well, the Bible says you've got to just walk right down. Obey those in authority over you and make sure you obey the government because God put them there for your good. Tell that to the Christians in China, genius. What do you do when you go to a nation that it's completely illegal to be a Christian? Do you sit around as, you know, as a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim and say, well, I was going to be a Christian and accept Jesus into my heart, but the government said I couldn't. The government said I had to be a, a, a Muslim. So I'm just going to be a Muslim because the government's my ruling authority. What do you tell the Christians in China where it's illegal to be a Christian? What do you tell them? Obey the government? You know, I say that kind of stuff here. And people say, well, it wasn't that serious, brother. It was just a quarantine. <laughs> yeah, it's not that serious yet. Until people sit back and rip up the Constitution with their stupid actions and let government control tell you as a Christian when you can and can't meet and go to church. That's when it becomes stupid. And we are blessed to live in a nation that is so free. But the freedom wasn't free. The freedom was purchased with the blood of men and women that were willing to die so others could be free. And I refuse as one person to spit on their graves by sitting back and saying, well, just let me just whatever they want with their little anti-Christ agenda trying to sweep through the nation. And it's time for Christians to stand up. 
if you see something that's wrong, you don't film it. Put your freaking phone in your pocket and stand up and do what Christ has anointed you to do. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. It is a spirit. It's it's a deceptive spirit. And if you don't think that there will be, and you watch how government control happens. You watch how it happens. You watch how end time control happens. All the dependence that people have on somebody per always giving them something. See, that's the, that's the danger. The danger is when you have to always ha- be given something, then the one who gives it to you controls you. The one who gives it to you controls you. Do you know, can I tell you one of the hardest things, even when you go to Central and South America, you know one of the one of the hardest things that the government has to deal with when it comes to the cartels, the drug cartels? You go to a place like Brazil, the drug cartels. You've got the favelas, which are like the ghettos built into the into the hills and into the mountains. The problem is, if you go into the favelas, all of those people are going to guard and shield the drug cartels. You know why? Because the drug cartels pay for everything in the favelas. They give them running water. They give them food. They give them money. They bring them drugs. They give them just enough to get by, just enough to live, just enough so they can survive. And they know, not only will I be killed for turning them in, but my family, there'll be nothing. I can't have water. I can't have food. I can't have medication. I can't have what I need. And so when you get put on the payroll of the corporation, when you get put on the payroll and you have to depend on them for everything you have, guess what? They also control everything you do, which is why I said, you look at how the Bible prophesies it'll happen. You can't buy or sell. Well, now there's government control on buying and selling. You're a dependent. You're sitting there as a dependent. This is what's so wonderful about freedom. This is what's so wonderful about freedom. I refuse to be a dependent. So that everything has to be handed to me. Everything has to be given to me. You realize this is not, by the way, conspiracy theory. If you think it is, it's not. That's why they don't want to heal sicknesses and diseases. They just want to continue to research them. That's why they don't tell people. You know, one of the number one things that's killing people in America is the way they eat. Their diet is killing almost everybody. Diabetes is shot through the roof. One out of every three people they projected by 2020 would have type 2 diabetes heart disease, one of the only nations in the world where we have even childhood obesity and people are dying all through. They don't want people healthy in a nation that they want to bring down because the less healthy the population is, the easier it is to control a sick and a weak population. Everything today, there's a pill for every ill. Instead of actually looking at your life, they just prescribe more and more drugs to you. We had a lady that got healed in one of our meetings that brought in all of her medications. God set her free from all her medication. She brought in 38 different medications and in a big Ziploc bag and set them on the altar. 38 pills a day. They prescribe five to you, except that those five have side effects. So you got to go back in. Well, I'm having this happen from this. Oh, we'll prescribe you these five more. These will help for the side effects. They do, but then they have their own side effects. Then you keep on going. They don't want you to actually get better. They want to not only make money off of you, but they want to keep you in a place of weakness that they can be controlled. 
Look, look at what happens. Let me show you something. Look at what happens when you look at an election year. What are the biggest things that they always, always run on? They run on Medicare or health care, and they run on taxes, education, the basic stuff. But what do people care about? They care about their money and they care about their health. They care about their money and they care about their health. And that's what they do. But they keep you in a place. Isn't it interesting to you? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. It's absolutely wrong and wicked. But there's a, there's a reason. I mean, if anybody's ever listened to hip-hop music, there's a reason it's called a trap. You know, we, it's something that's become popular is trap, like a trap beat or trap music. But there's a reason that it's called a trap. There's a reason why they label it that. You grow, up, you grow up in that situation that you've been forced into and then all of the things that are jammed in around you are things that force you back into that lifestyle again. That you, It's a trap because you can never climb out of it. I mean, you can, but it's like they make it next to impossible to climb out of it. And so you've got people, if you don't think that the government is creating systems to keep poor people poor, then you don't understand what's going on large, huge government facilities where, where we house people in the ghettos. And then isn't it interesting that that's always the place where they put the liquor stores and the cash for gold and all the, you know, cash your checks and all, all of that stuff, Rent-A-Center, all of the things that keep people poor, they put by poor people. There's a reason that people grow up knowing it's the truth. It's called a trap for a reason. Because you grow up there, you're not only in poverty, they want to keep you in poverty. The more people they keep in poverty, the more people are dependent upon what they give them. The more people that are dependent upon what they give them, the more people they can control their vote by saying, we'll keep giving you more of what we're giving you if you vote this way. And by controlling the poverty of the people, they control the vote of the people. By controlling the vote of the people, they control the direction of a nation. People don't even think. Who's your favorite president? I can tell you who it is. The one who gave me a free cell phone. They bought your whole vote for $90. $90. And so if people don't understand the way that, that it works, I'm explaining to you the way that it works. Because there's people, my generation and younger, who have zero idea Zero idea. <laughs> it's funny to me. I was watching a guy on television who went out onto the, um, that they went out onto the streets to interview college age students about the government. And they were saying, you know, back when they were really, when Bernie Sanders was running on socialism and they said, um, Hey, what, what do you think about, um, and, and they flipped it just to prove college students didn't, didn't, um, didn't understand what they were talking about. And they said, don't you think, don't you think that it's wrong? Don't, don't, don't you think we should, we should have socialism. It wouldn't it be better to put the hand, put the power back into the hands of the people. And all, and all of them were like, yeah, the government's had too much control for too long. We need socialism. We need to put the power back into the hands of the people <laughs> just to prove to you that all of the uh, a majority of the college students that are running around shouting socialism don't even understand what it is that no one corrected him. 
Nobody, nobody corrected the guy and said, that's not what socialism is. Nobody corrected him. They all just like, yeah, we need the power in the hands of the people, not the government. We need socialism. It's like, you don't even know what you're doing. I mean, however, we've got all these social justice warriors that are out running around acting like they know the direction that the nation needs to go. At the same time, we have to build rooms for you at the university with low lights and coloring books because you've got so much stress. You can't even go to class. So you need to color a picture of the little mermaid. It's like, give me a break, dude. You don't, people don't understand what's happening in America. America is the last bastion of freedom in the world. I'm just telling you. And it needs to come down if a one world government, a one world order is going to actually finally take over as the Bible prophesies it will. You can't have one world control and one world order if you have strong independent nations. You can't. That's why America being a strong independent nation is against a one world system and a one world agenda because you can't continue to have strong independent nations if you want to break them down into a one world government control. It doesn't work. You can't have both at the same time. So if what the Antichrist agenda is, is to destroy nations like America, destroy nations like Canada, destroy nations that are independent and strong so that we need to establish a one world government, a one world nation, a one world nation. It's one nation. Do away with borders. Why do you think there's so much said about borders and why we shouldn't have borders? We need to break the borders down. Without borders, you don't have a nation. Think about it. Exactly. Exactly, Glenn. Think about that. Without borders, you don't have a nation. I mean, you don't have a nation. If you think that that's something that's racist, you, you've lost your mind. You've swallowed the pill of what the mainstream media that's operating in an antichrist agenda has fed to you on a daily basis. And the Bible's very clear about what will take place. But one thing I want you to understand is that the Bible teaches Matthew chapter five. Let's, let me read this to you. Matthew chapter five, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under a person's feet. You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Christians are not called to just bow their knee to the darkness and to lose their saltiness. But according to Christ, you're to be the saltiest salt you can be. And I've said before, salt was there to preserve meat in days that we didn't have refrigeration technology. We are the preservative of this earth. Catch this with me tonight. We as Christians are the preservative of this earth. The only reason it hasn't slipped into judgment and slipped into full destruction is because the people of God are still here. And when we go, the salt is gone. And when we go, the light is gone. With the salt gone and with the light gone, you've got rot and you've got darkness. You've got rot 
and you've got darkness. That is why it's so important that we are here right now doing what we're called to do by God right now because we're preserving this earth from total annihilation. That's Bible, my friends. Total annihilation. The only reason it hasn't happened yet is because we are here preserving the earth from destruction because we're not apportioned to destruction. Jesus took our destruction. He took our punishment. He took it for us. So God can't pour it out until we're gone because God would not pour out his destruction upon his own children if he's already paid for it through Jesus Christ's blood. So he's not going to do two judgments for the same sin. If Jesus took the punishment for my sin already, it would be unjust of God to make me stay here through the tribulation in which he judges the earth for their rejection of Jesus Christ. That's foolish. God's not a child abuser. He's not a child abuser. And so why would he leave me here if my redemption's already been purchased? I didn't reject Jesus. I accepted his sacrifice by grace through faith. I'm the one, you're the one that has said, Lord, thank you for that. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart you raised him from the dead. And now I'm a new creature. And he took the punishment for my sin. I don't have to be here for detention. I'm not the one that committed the infraction. I don't have to stay for detention. Hallelujah. I mean, somebody put that in the comments tonight. I don't have to stay for detention. It's not right. God would not detain his own children who are redeemed to keep them around for the judgments he's going to pour out. (laughs) And I don't understand how people who know the Bible, I don't understand how people who know the Bible can act like, because I've heard some of them argue it. Well, brother, not all of the judgments that happen in the book of Revelation are from God. Some of it's just that, you know, Satan is at work in the earth. No, they're all from God. They all start in heaven. The bowls, the trumpets, the seals, they all start in heaven. Not in the earth, not in hell. The All of them start in heavenly places. The bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, the seal judgments, they all start in heaven. All of them are the wrath of God being poured out on a wicked, rebellious world, and I'm not going to be here for it, and neither are you, because we're not apportioned for destruction. People say, well, you know, um, God could still pour out those, God could still pour out those destructions and those judgments without touching us while we're here. You know, it's like, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? Why should we have to be around? The, and, and furthermore, if we were around, we're the apple of God's eye. We are his number one priority. We are his own dear children, why is there nothing in the Bible, nothing in the book of Revelation from chapters four all the way through chapter 20 when it's the most descriptive time of the of the tribulation? Why is there not one word spoken about the church? If we're here, 
If we're actually here during the judgment being poured out and we're the apple of his eye, his most important possession, the body of Christ, and all that stuff is happening, why is there not one word spoken to the church or about the church? Why are we not mentioned? And furthermore, why are not why are we not gaining encouragement? How come we don't have instructions about what to do? Why is there none of that there? We just finished all of these epistles from Paul and Peter and James, all of these instruction after instruction after instruction after instruction on what believers should do because God is interested in what he wants his children to do. Then we transition into the worst time, into the worst time in history, the great tribulation, and we don't hear one instruction from God for the church, and we don't even hear the church mentioned one time, not once. I mean, there's many other reasons why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but that's a huge one. That's huge. It's not small stuff. You know, there's a time where a third of the earth is killed. I mean, that's huge. One third of the earth killed, just taken out. It's going to be terrible. But let me tell you something. It's very important to understand something, that there will be a control. That's an international, worldwide control. And one thing I can tell you is this. You know, because it's like it's like if we said it today. I've said this to people. Well, what what if they what if they came out with that thing today for you to go into your right hand or into your forehead? You need to take a mark. I mean, if they got on the news tonight and said, "Listen, we've realized that before this month is over, before June is over, we need everybody to get down to your local clinic, local hospital. We've got government agents there that we need to put something into your right hand or into your forehead." People, are like, I'm not going. I, I all people tell me that all the time. I'd never go. I wouldn't go down there. I wouldn't do that. I'd never let him put anything in my hand or in my forehead. I hear people say that all the time. But let me ask you a question. What if they said to you that if you don't do it, then there's not going to be any more assistance for you? No more government assistance. There's not going to be any more uh, Medicare or Medicaid. You're not going to get any more Social Security checks. No more. You're not going to get anything. No unemployment. No disability. You're not going. Nothing. No student loans. Nothing's available to you. Absolutely nothing's available to you. What do you do then? Are you honestly going to tell me that everybody that had those benefits is like, well, you know what? I don't care about Social Security checks. I don't care about my health care. I don't care about my disability. You think people are going to do that? Do you honestly think people are going to say, you know what? Forget you and everything you're giving me, government. I ain't taking it because I don't want no chip in my... You know what people would say? I mean, they didn't even... It wasn't even that serious with what just happened. All they did was say, hey, please don't go to church. Please shut all the churches down. And everybody's like, okay, no problem. (laughs) That's all they did. Okay, no problem. We'll shut it down. We'll shut it down. Not an issue. No, Nobody stood up. Nobody. I mean, there was like a handful of people that stood up and were arrested and went to jail. Charges dropped. I mean, think about that. Think about that. You think people are going to really do that? I mean, I've seen... You want to hear something? I, I want to I, I see... Um, there were people that I've had in, in meetings, and my father's had in meetings where they got healed of a disability in the meeting, miraculously healed, and came back and were mad 
that they got healed, that they got a miracle because now that they didn't have the problem anymore, they couldn't collect disability checks anymore. And so they came back angry. Think about how far out you have to be in your spirit to be mad at God that he healed you of a disability because now you can't collect a disability check. You've got problems. You've got massive problems. And if there's people like that, that don't even want a supernatural healing in their body so that they can keep collecting a disability check, a little chip in their hand or forehead is not going to make any difference to them whatsoever. Long as I get my check, long as I can keep eating Cheetos, long as I can keep lounging on my beanbag chair and watching reruns. It's like whatever it takes to just make an easy life with no resistance, no restriction. It's how people are. And it's sad. It's sad. Because Carissa, sometimes you can be healed by the faith of somebody else. It happened in the Bible. You know, the, the man that G, her question was, I'm honestly curious, how could someone like that receive healing anyway? It's because sometimes you can receive healing from the one who's praying for you by their faith. It's like Jesus, when he went to Solomon's colonnade to the, the, the pool of Bethesda, and the man said, I've got nobody to put me in the water when the waters are troubled. And he healed that man, and the man didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't even know that was Jesus. They said, who did this to you? He said, I don't know. I don't know who the man was, but he healed me. I have no idea who he was. That man didn't even know it was Jesus standing in front of him. So he couldn't have had faith that Jesus would heal him. He didn't even know it was Jesus. But what happened? Jesus' own faith and miracle working power was able to bring a miracle to the man. Now, we know the man already had faith because he was waiting by the water that the angel would trouble. And he was looking for a healing. So we know he had faith in God, but he didn't have faith in Jesus because he didn't know it was Jesus. And so there are different ways to receive healing. But imagine being so hardened in your heart that you sit back and wish that God had not healed you so you could keep collecting a disability check. I'm just telling you the mindset that people have right now. That's exactly it. If he can heal you, he can pay your bills. He can, if he can be Jehovah Rapha, he can be Jehovah Jireh. I mean, think about it logically. People, I don't know where their minds are at, but you've got to understand this. You've got to understand this, is that we have a, a, a generation of people, and that's part of the, the demonic nature of an entitlement mentality that everything should just be given to me. I shouldn't have to work for anything. I shouldn't have, I should just be able to sit back and live an easy life and not, do you know, in the Bible, they said, if you don't work, you're not even worthy to eat. Did you know in the Bible, it teaches that if you won't even, if you refuse to work and provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. So God doesn't feel that way. God doesn't participate with an entitlement mentality. God's not a socialist either. Did you know that if you read Matthew 25, the Bible says that when the master came back and looked at the three servants that he had given talents, to one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. He interviewed the one who had five. He said, what have you done with it? He said, I doubled it. Here's 10. He said, well done. Went to the one who he gave two. He said, what have you done with the two? I invested it. Here's four. He said, well done. He said, what did you do? The one who had the one talent. He said, I know you're a hard master. You reap where you don't sow. So I buried it in the ground. 
He said, oh, you buried it in the ground, did you? You wicked and lazy servant. And he said, cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Take his one talent and give it to the one who had 10. And then the verse of scripture comes up to him that has more will be given, but even to the, to, and to he who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. God's not a socialist. If God was a socialist, the master would have come back from his trip and said, oh, you've got 10 now. You've got, you've got four now. You've got one now here. Do this. The one who has 10, give one to him. So he has five. Now you have nine remaining. Now give uh, four over to him. Now he has four, he has five and you have five. Now everybody's pretty much equal. That's not, that's not what God did. God's not about an equal distribution of wealth. God is not a socialist. God is not a communist. God is the only one who knows the truth of what should be happening at any given time. And he's laid it out for us in his word and shown us that he's looking for diligent people. If he can find diligent people, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are turned toward him. One translation says, are loyal to him. He said, on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. God said, uh, and I love this verse of scripture, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. But they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of who? Those that diligently seek him. So God's looking for diligent people. God is looking for people that are willing to put in the work, people that are willing to do what it takes. Do you realize Paul wanted to set that example with his fellow workers? So when he went to some of these churches, even though he could have used his rights to not work, and like he taught them should happen for all other ministers, that you should provide for them because their job is providing spiritual nourishment for you. But he said, we wanted to also lay out an example to you and the men in in your church. And he said, you saw all the time we were with you. We worked night and day. And you saw our example as we worked because we're men that work. Because if you don't work, you don't eat. Paul was trying to teach the men of the churches. You're not to be a lazy bum. You're not called to be a lazy bum. And the devil wants people in our generation to be lazy bums. You know why? Because lazy bums, laziness is wickedness, according to God. Laziness is wickedness. Put it in the comments section, everybody that's watching. Laziness is wickedness. No question. Jesus knew it and told the parable and spoke about the servant who didn't do anything. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Wickedness, laziness equals wickedness. You look through the book of Proverbs, you'll find it all through the book of Proverbs. A little folding folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber. Poverty will pounce on you like a robber. God's not about laziness. God doesn't want you putting your life on cruise control. God wants diligent people. He's looking for those that know how to put in the work. Put in the work. That's You cannot. That's a wonderful verse also, Glenn. The hand of the diligent will be made rich. 
God's looking for diligent people. He's looking for strong people. He's looking for people that'll stand up even in the face of injustice, not people that stand there and film it on their phone, people that put their phone away and stand up for those that can't help themselves. Stand up for them that help themselves. I remember my first, and of course I was less sanctified if I can say that, but I can re- I can remember my first real encounter with just gross injustice. And I remember my first encounter with racism living in West Virginia. And, and I first saw it and there was this redneck kid that was uh, in my high school. And, and this girl, this black girl was crying. We didn't have a lot of black students in our school because it's, you know, living in West Virginia. And, uh, and this girl's crying as we're going out to the bus to leave school for the day. And these, these two rednecks are laughing and they've been giving her a hard time and oh, just only cause she's black harassing her because she's black harassing her. Cause she has a hard time. I didn't stand there and film it. So oh, I can't believe it. we're going to turn you into the principal. I stopped both of them in the hallway. I said, don't ever, don't, first of all, don't ever speak to her like that again. If I find out you're ever speaking to her like that again, I'll smack you so hard. You'll pee your pants. If you've ever had somebody hit you hard enough, you peed your pants. That's what's going to happen. I'm not saying that now. It's what I said then <laughs> because I, I, I'd never, I had never in my life, I had never in my life experienced in front of my face, gross social injustice and, and somebody just acting out of pure racism. I had never experienced it before ever. And it turned my stomach completely turned my stomach. And I didn't care. I didn't care if there were two and I was only one. I didn't care if somebody would, it does, none of that matters. The thing that it, it, it rises up in your belly. If you've got the spirit of God, it rises up in your spirit, man. You know, if you can't, and if you're on here and you're offended because I'm a preacher and I said that when I, you know, I I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you and being transparent. That's where I was at. And that's what I said. I'm not going to sit back and, well, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell on you guys. No, I'm here now. She's weeping because you're a punk. I'm going to let you know it's not going to happen again. It's not. And if I'm not around and I hear that it happens again, I'm coming looking for you. I'm coming looking for you. You better pray to God. I mean, you better get on your knees and thank the Lord God almighty that I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy ghost. You better like, thank God that I'm not like a unregenerated because it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, I'm going to film it. I can't look at what these guys are saying to her. Can you believe what these guys are doing to her? Cause she's black. I can't believe it. I'm going to tell on them. It's like, yeah, good luck with all of that. After she's already been harassed, after she's already been messed with, after she's already weeping and on her way, good luck. Maybe six, seven days from now, maybe somebody can just pull them aside and say, now guys, we can't be doing that. You know, in school, we can't be harassing people. No, stand up for what's right. I'm not ashamed of that. Stand up for what's right. I remember I had a friend that came to school and he was, and and this wasn't even racism. It was just injustice. He was a, a, a younger guy and he was very small in stature, small in stature. And this group of guys was literally bullying the crap out of him every single day, every single day. And I was done. I was completely done with it because I knew the kid, good kid, soft spoken, kind kid. And so I, I said, you know, I'm not, and I saw him, he was upset about it. 
I was like, I'm, I'm not having that. And so I waited until it was a, a Friday night football game. And I saw those guys hanging together in the bleachers. And I walked right up into the bleachers, right to the kid who thought he was the leader of the pack. And just for effect, let my nose touch his puny little nose and look down into his stupid little eyes. I said, you have a choice tonight. I said, you see that boy sitting over there? And that kid didn't even know I was going to do it. He was across the side. I said, you see that kid? If I hear one more time, one more story, I promise you, I will throw you out of the bleachers down and onto the football field. <laughs> if you think I'm going to sit around, because I, I can't, something rises. I don't know how people sit back and just say, well, I'm going to film it and I'm going I'm to tell somebody. How about get involved? How about get involved? I can't imagine. I see these things on YouTube. I watch stuff online. It's like, wake up and grow a pair and get involved. Get involved. It's a stupid thing to let injustice go on. (laughs) I was coming back from my honeymoon, walking through a TSA section in an airport, and some guy that apparently we weren't moving quick enough, and I wasn't walking with her because I was pulling bags, and some guy called my wife a moron. (laughs) In the airport. And let's just say two or three TSA agents weren't too happy. But I'm telling you something, authority does rise up, Brother Glenn. I've been out. Like, you don't have to put up with the world's foolishness. You can actually take authority. That's part of who you are as a, as a believer. I've been out. I've been out in public. And you know, it's like, well, we live in a country of freedom of speech. Oh, yeah? I believe it. But watch what happens when authority rises up. I was, I've been out in public multiple times. And I got my kids with me. I got my little kids. And you hear these knuckleheads that have zero class out dropping F-bombs and everything else. And I've just turned right around and looked at them. Hey, be quiet. You know, people aren't used to having somebody with fire in their eyes stare them down and tell them in a very authoritative voice to shut their mouth. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not, you know, too big to do that. (laughs) Because I don't have to sit around. You take authority. I learned that from my grandfather and again from my father and again from every one of my uncles. That you take authority. My grandfather used to say, fake it till you make it. I was in a restaurant with my grandfather one time in a big pizza place. And they, I don't know if he was just irritated or what, but they dropped all these pots and pans. In the back of in the back of the restaurant, and they, all this crashing went on. He got up from the table, walked back there, and yelled. <laughs> he he yelled into the kitchen, "Hey, be quiet in here! I'll send every one of you home." <laughs> He's gonna send them home. I mean, I grew up with that kind of authority, and you take authority. You take authority. You don't have to let wickedness just go run rampant around you. Call it out. Have some class. I don't mind saying that to somebody. I got my kids here. Shut your mouth and have some class. I don't mind it at all. And I'll probably do it many times again before Jesus comes. Yeah. <laughs> take take control by a spirit of righteousness. Uh, you know, I have an issue when Christians don't have 
a righteous indignation that rises up on the inside of them when something's wrong. If it's wrong, call it out and take authority and do it right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Not to sit back, let people just do whatever they want. Don't have to do it at all. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can do without sinning. Let me just tell you that. There's a lot of things you can do. You can be angry and sin not. There's a lot of things you can do before it becomes sin. Let me just tell you. You take authority. And stand up against injustice. And you don't recognize this, but if you, if you look closely at what's going on around the world, it's just a pathway to one world's... If you think that the church is going to be raptured from the earth and then the devil is going to take, you know, 60 years to set up his kingdom, you don't know what you're talking about. It's everything has to be in place so that when the church is taken, that things can move right in to a one world system, to an end time system, an antichrist system. It's not going to take 60 years to happen. You think, well, they're going to have to come up with some way to do that mark of the beast. It's already in place. The first families in America that ever received microchips in their hands happened in 1996 in Florida by the Verichip Corporation, who then changed their name to the Positive ID Corporation. That stuff's not coming. It's here. It's here. It's already in place. The infrastructure's set up. You say, well, we, we got to get to a cashless society. We're already in a cashless society. We're already in a cashless society. Do you realize if everybody tried to go to the bank tonight to try to take all of their cash out of the bank, there's probably, I think the last thing I heard was, there's like 10% of the cash available in America for everyone to have theirs. There's not, we're in a cashless society. Nobody using cash. Almost nobody's using cash. And then, you know, stuff like this happens with COVID-19 and you see countries that are like, we just, we're not taking any cash. We're not taking any cash. So you got countries that shut cash down because of things like COVID-19, which is part of Bible prophecy. In the last days, there would be pestilence and famine. Yeah, I was in a place two days ago or three days ago where they were, I paid cash for a haircut for my nephew and the lady laid my things out and she's washing, she's washing my cash with like a little brush and sanitizer. She just went through and like cleaned my money. She was a she was a literal money launderer. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're already we're gonna have to get to a cash. We're in a cashless society. We've got credit cards. We've got Cash App. We've got PayPal. We have cryptocurrencies. We have all these things already available to us. We don't need cash, and it can all be controlled. You understand? Gold standard. There is no gold standard. We're off the gold standard. Our money doesn't even mean anything. I don't know if you know that or not. Our money in America means nothing. It means what they tell us it means. It's perceived value. It means whatever they say it means. If they say it's not it's not worth, because it's not based on anything. <laughs> you realize that. I, I mean, I hope people realize that. There is no gold backing up our money anymore. It's just, it, it's worth what they say it's worth. And if they say it's worth less, then it's worth less to us. If they say it's worth more, it's worth more to us. And then they're just printing money. So, I mean, don't tell me that we're not in a cashless society. Cash means nothing. That is what a cashless society is. Cash means nothing. Everything in, that we have is perceived value. Everything. 
Every single thing is perceived value. So, you know, it's not like we have to go to a place where they burn all the bills and say, we're now like some guy with, with a dark suit and a tie with like dark sunk, deep sunk eyes with dark circles underneath with the beginnings of horns coming out, comes out and does a bonfire. Like, Today we will burn all of the bills. You know, that doesn't have to happen. The bills now mean nothing. You realize that they mean nothing. So it's like, I don't know where people think we have to get to get into the end times. We're already in it. We're already in it. I can go to any nation of the world and swipe a card or stick the chip in. And they do all, they do all of the transfers for me. They do all of the exchange rates for me. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to stop at a teller and say, hey, I'd like to change out some cash. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to stop. All I have to do is take that everywhere I go. And if I don't want to do that, all I have to do is this. And I can pay this way. If I don't want to do that, I can hold my wrist out and pay with my watch. If I don't, you know, you keep on moving it, moving it down the line. It went from your wallet. Then it went to your phone. Then it went from your phone into your watch. Next thing it's got to do is go from your wrist into your hand easy to do. It's not like we don't have the ability to do it. We're already there. It's all automatic. We're already in a cashless society. We're already in a place where they have control. I turned, I pulled my phone up the other day, logged into my bank account a few years ago. This was when they had the hacking going on. I looked, I looked at my balance. My balance was negative $999,999. I thought, what did Carolyn buy? What did Carolyn buy? Negative $1 million. Must better be nice. So, you know, all they have to do is change a few numbers around. All they have to do is say, you don't have money in your account or the government froze your account or we don't like the way you're talking. We don't like what you're doing. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me give you a little thing. You tell me what you think about it. Government says, don't go to church. Okay. Everybody says, fine. So now nobody can go to church. Well, it's all right. We're going to move to church online, okay? Today we had a small snafu. Everybody got their notifications turned off. What if your whole church page, let me ask you a question. Where I'm going on Saturday and Sunday this week in in, um, Horseheads, New York, his tabernacle, when I go preach at the Uproar Conference, they had, think about this, they had their entire Uproar Conference Facebook page that they used as the hub for the information, all that stuff, completely taken off of Facebook for no reason. No reason told to them, no reason why. Something they've spent years building up, followers, people that have it on notification, spent tons of money boosting posts, and then just gets taken down and deleted by Facebook for no reason, with no explanation, and there's nobody to appeal to. So now your entire Ministry and church is in the hands of privatized corporations that are run by liberal people with an antichrist agenda. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to show favoritism towards the church and church pages? And when they hear you talking, if you are still a church that preaches the truth and will stand against sin and speak against wickedness, what do you think they're going to do? Say, well, you know, there is freedom of speech. Or do you think they're going to hear you preach in Romans 1 against homosexuality and lesbianism and preaching against wickedness and preaching and then just say, well, we have to ban you because that's hate speech. They already did it in Canada. 
So don't tell me. They passed a bill in Canada in the in the province of Ontario where it is now it is now a hate speech if you don't refer to a transgender person by their preferred pronoun. This is what put Dr. Jordan Peterson on the map. If you've ever heard who Dr. Jordan Peterson is, blew up around the world because he stood in Canada. He's a clinical psychologist at the University of Toronto. He stood in Canada against that bill being passed and said, even if the government passes that bill, I as a teacher at a university refuse to to, uh, adhere to forced speech that's legislated by the government. He said, if you tell me that I have to use pronouns chosen by by transgender people i won't do it if if i'm if i'm doing it because the government says i have to and and he's not you know you think whatever you want whether he's a christian or not he said if a person has a relationship with me and asks me to do something politely i would be happy to do it for the person that i have a relationship with but i won't do something because the government forces it he said there's never been a, a time in the history of of western a civilization where the government has forced speech. You know, there's things you can't say. Obviously, there there are things you can't say, but he's not saying that. He's saying there's things now they're making making you say. There's a difference between there's things you can't say and saying you have to say this. Forced speech, legislated forced speech. And if you don't, if you don't do what they want you to do, it's punishable by, by you know, you go to jail, you get fined, there's punishment. So understand this. It, you know, I knew pastors in Canada, and I think they've I think they've turned the law around, but there was it was for a while there, a few years ago, where the, it was a three-strike rule. If you preached against homosexuality the first time, you got a warning from the government. If you preached about it the second time, you got a $10,000 fine. If you did it the third time, you had to go to jail as a pastor. So what do you do then? You see what I mean? Okay, don't go to church. We're not going to church. Now, even if you do so, uh, church online, you can't sing, you can't praise. Okay, we shut the praise down. Now we're going to take you down from Facebook. We're going to take you down from YouTube. going to take you down from Twitter because of the fact that we think everything you're saying is hate speech and we it go, it's just against our terms and services that you signed up for. Okay, well, it's a privatized corporation. They have the right to do it. So now you can't go to church because the government says no and corporations say you can't have church online either. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? You act like that's not happening. You, you think shadow banning is not a thing? If, if you don't think it can happen, what do you, and think whatever you want about, um, you know, think whatever you want about his content. I'm not, I'm not backing up or affirming or not, or not affirming his content, but, uh, the dude that, that, um, the dude that was running Infowars, somebody throw me his name cause it just slipped my mind. Um, the guy, the guy that was doing Infowars, his program is called Infowars. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember his name. I can't remember it right now. They removed him from every single social media platform. Every single one. Alex Jones, thank you. They removed Alex Jones. And think whatever you want about his content. Think he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. Whatever you want to think about it. I'm not affirming or not affirming his his work. I'm just saying, if you think they can't do it, if you think they won't do it or can't do it, they've already done it. They removed him from YouTube. They removed him from Facebook. They removed him from Twitter. They removed him from Apple Podcasts. 
They removed him from everywhere. In a day, he was gone. And if and and if it wasn't, by the way, the the company that he bought his that he bought his um, hosting for his website from and his URL, they shut him down on his own website. And there were hackers who believed in what he was doing that went back in and put his website back up. But you think about that because it's all through privatized corporations. So if you don't think they can do it, they've already done it. I don't understand what people don't get about that. If you think they can't, they already have. All they have to say, I mean, I don't know if you know it or not, they've put evangelical Christians on the terror list. Like we're too, we're too edgy. We're on the terror list. If you don't think they can do it, they've already done it. And we need to wake up and understand what the word of God says and understand I'm salt, I'm light. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make a difference. Look at this. Pastor Kim Gibb, who pastors in Sarnia, Ontario with her husband, Pastor Tim, there's a law that they're looking to pass here in Ontario that the church cannot practice conversion therapy. We cannot tell someone that they can be set free from homosexuality or there will be fines and prison. That's happening right now. Along with the other stuff. Think about that. Charlie Champ says they're already limiting your monetization of your videos on YouTube by content that they find unfavorable. They just removed my video on Twitter well, last week. So understand, it's not like it's you know, it's happening. Do you get that? It's happening. So I don't think, I think it's this conspiracy theory if you think all that's going to happen to the church. It's already happening. How do people not see it? It's already going on. That's why you got to stand up for what is right and what your rights actually are as a Christian. And don't lay them down because somebody told you, well, I just think you need to just... Isn't it funny to you that when uh, the government said, don't go to church, everybody screamed Romans 13, and then Trump got up and said, I want all the churches and houses of worship open. Everybody said, no, we'll do it when we feel to do it. When the government said, don't go to church, everyone said, yes. When the government said, go to church, everybody said, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Isn't that interesting to you? Don't go to church. Romans 13, go to church. Uh, it should open up some eyes at least. Make some people raise their brows at least. I actually heard a pastor say, "We're not going to go act, we're not going to go back to church in our church building till the Holy Spirit till Jesus himself appears to me and tells me it's time." I heard a pastor say that out of his mouth. "We're not going back to church until Jesus himself appears to me and tells me it's time." Hey, genius, got a word for you. Jesus doesn't have to appear to you because he already gave you his holy written word that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but as you see of the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. I'm not going to do it till Jesus tells me to do it. He already told you to do it. You should have never stopped doing it. <laughs> Whatever. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me read this to you because this is, and this is what I want to get to before we pray for you tonight. I appreciate you hanging with me because things need to be said. People need to hear it. 
and it needs to be shared. People need to understand what's going on in the world and how we can see we have dominion. Before we go to 2 Thessalonians, well, no, let's do this first. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Yeah, Ariana, that's what I said. I'm not, I'm not affirming or not affirming Alex Jones' content. I'm just saying, if you don't think they can take you down for whatever reason they want, they can. They can and they have. And by the way, I know he's an extremist. He's not the only one. You know, they did it to Franklin Graham. You hear me? They did it to Franklin Graham and he fought to get it back up. They took him down. I mean, there's nobody more laid back. I mean, he's not edgy. He's not on the line where it's like saying crazy stuff. <laughs> you couldn't be more careful and political, you know, and 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 more uh, classy than Franklin Graham is. But you, it shows you it's the spirit of this world. They just don't like the spirit of God in people. So, I mean, if, you know, if they do it to Franklin Graham. So listen to second Thessalonians. Let's go to second Thessalonians two and start with verse five. Listen to this. Do you not remember that when I was with, still with you, I told you these things and you know, what is re restraining him? Who is him? The man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So the Bible says that there is someone restraining him. The only person it could be that could be moved out of the way is the church of Jesus Christ. It can't be the Holy Spirit because you can't remove the Holy Spirit from anywhere. He's omnipresent. You can't remove the Holy Spirit from the earth. It's impossible to remove an omnipresent being from any location. Even during the tribulation, the Holy Spirit will still be on the earth. No question about that because we will have tribulation saints. We will have people that don't bow their knee and people that are actually... Uh, uh, martyred or people that will actually gain their um, righteousness through martyrdom. And you can't come into the kingdom without the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost that's leaving. It's the church filled with the Holy Ghost that is leaving. The church filled with the Holy Ghost that will be taken out of the way. Now, let me give you this before we pray. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Did anybody find it interesting that everybody freaked out when President Trump came across the lawn, out the front gate, down the street to the church and stood in front with a Bible and took a picture? Did anybody find that 
everybody was freaking out. Oh, he's going to come across and he's going to go out there and he's going to spray gas and he's going to shoot rubber riot bullets and he's going to do all that so he can get a photo op with the Bible in front of a church. Did you ever wonder why all of those people that were so ticked off about that didn't have anything to say when Antifa burnt part of that church down? The nursery of that church was burnt by Antifa. Where was everybody's post then? How come nobody was saying how horrible it was then? It's because we're being forced by this outside pressure, this culture mob to say what will look the best in front of everybody that's looking at our social media accounts. And I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I personally do not care if I lose followers during this time of Corona and now this and everything else that's going on. I don't care if I lose followers. I don't care if people stop talking to me. I don't care if people block me on social media because all you'll be blocking is the truth. I don't have any hate in my body except for the enemy himself. I don't have hate for people. I have love for people. I don't. I stand against injustice. I stand against inequality. But I also stand against foolishness that comes out from Christians that try to take the word of God and bend it for their own propaganda uses to try to get people to do things that Christ didn't even do. So block me. Don't talk to me anymore. Be mad at me. Stop following me. It's not going to change my mind and it's not going to make me feel ashamed. It'll actually make me feel strengthened to know that I'm doing something that people don't agree with because not everybody's going to agree with the things you do when you stand for what's right. And let me tell you, for everybody that's wondering, you can stand against looting and stand against rioting while still standing against injustice and inequality. You can, it's not either or, it's and. It's not either or, it's and. So I can be against the stupidity of rooting, looting and rioting, which they don't care about George Floyd and his family anyway. Somebody wrote me on Twitter. Well, they can care about him and they do. Oh yeah. You're telling me that the dude walking out of the liquor store with seven bottles of Jack Daniels that they got a picture of and then holding two bottles of wild turkey. You're telling me that that was his tribute to George Floyd and his family and that he cares about race relations and he cares about uh, uh, inequality and injustice or does he just care about getting drunk? Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. You're telling me that when people are running out of Target and Walmart with 65-inch flat-screen TVs, they're doing it all for the the memory of George Floyd and his family? Oh, man, yeah. When people are running out with clothes and running out with shoes, you're telling me when people come out of Louis Vuitton with $40,000 of purses hanging around their neck and heading back to their house, it was for the memory of George Floyd? Man, he would really be proud of us now that we got these purses and the shoes and TVs and liquor. And I posted something on Twitter about it because I'm against it and it's foolishness. It has nothing to do with race relations, has nothing to do with inequality, has nothing. Well, you oppress people for long enough and then set a match to it and they don't know what to do. It has nothing to do with that. Don't be a stupid fool and follow what everybody else is saying. They tell you on mainstream media, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. 
Has nothing to do with George Floyd. Has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Has nothing to do with any of that. And it won't push us closer to the goal. It won't push us closer to love. Won't push us closer to race relations. Won't push us closer to equality. Won't push us closer to justice. It won't. It doesn't do anything except destroy the nation that gives people the greatest blessing of any nation on the earth. Any nation. And any person that gets on and talks about how uh, rough this nation is and that they, people talk about how great our nation is. We're like, our nation is great. Do we have problems? Yes, we do. But we're still the greatest nation on earth. And I don't say that because I live here. I say it because I've traveled the world. <laughs> It's not a racist thing to say, and it's not something that's just, I'm, I'm saying it because I'm loyal to my nation. I'm saying it because I've traveled the world and been to other nations. It's interesting, isn't it, that all of the, um, all of, of the celebrities, all the celebrities are always complaining about our nation. None of them, surprisingly, ever move to another nation. <laughs> Doesn't that surprise you? If Trump's elected, I'm moving out of this nation to another nation. He gets elected. They're all still here. You know why? It's a great nation. It's a great nation. (laughs) So I don't care if people block me or get mad. I'm just going to preach the truth and keep telling you the truth because we need to be prepared for what's coming in the future. I don't need a photo op next to somebody with tears in my eyes to prove that I love people. I don't need it. I don't need it. Luke chapter 10. Listen to verse 19. Behold, Jesus speaking, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, I want to underline that, all the power of the enemy. That's right, Glenn. Over all the power of the enemy. Thank you for sowing a seed, Glenn. And nothing shall hurt you. So understand here you've got authority over the devil, over wickedness, over an antichrist spirit, antichrist agenda, over all. I have authority over all of the power of the enemy, which is why we've got to leave here before the enemy takes power and begins to do what God will allow him to do for a season. I can't be here during it. I have power over it. I can't be here during it. I've got authority over his power. It's like my dad always said, if the antichrist was here on the earth, what would stop any Holy Ghost filled believer from casting the devil out of him? If you've got authority over all the power See, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you can't loose the gates of hell on the earth and let this one world system and antichrist agenda hit the earth and think that the church is somehow at some point going to be overtaken by the spirit of darkness. You can't. We're the light. We're the salt. We have all authority over all the power of the enemy. We got to get out of here or the devil can't do what he wants to do cannot do what he wants to do. There's authority. There's power. That's why I'm telling you, it's time to stand up as the people of God. People are so fast 
Thank you, Hope, for sowing a seed. People are so fast to get involved with what their culture thinks they should be involved with and not quick to get involved with kingdom principles. Kingdom principles. Well, I have an urgency. A lot of things are happening right now. You should have an urgency because Jesus is coming and people don't know him and they'll go to hell forever. Well, people are being hurt. People are going to be hurt for eternity. It's not either or, it's both. You should stand up for what's right. I agree with you. I'm all for it. But it is kingdom over culture. It's not culture over kingdom. It's kingdom over culture. It's not culture over kingdom. It isn't. And we need to be smart enough to not be caught up in the narrative of this world. They've proven what's going on. They've caught police officers dressed up as rioters that are burning buildings and throwing things through through windows. They've caught white supremacists running through the crowd, invoking more violence. I know what's going on. I'm not stupid. I know what's happening. But then we all believe this narrative. Well, it's just people are so hurt that they, no, it's not that people are so hurt. There were people peacefully protesting. There were people standing up and doing the right thing. And then it got screwed up by people that want an agenda to take place. They want it to happen. But we got to be bigger. We have to be smarter and bigger than what's going on in the world and keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on the word of God and do what the Bible has commanded us to do and keep bringing in the harvest. Time is running out. And Jesus said in John chapter nine and verse four, work while it's yet day for the night is coming where no man can work. The gospel is a limited time offer. You hear that? The gospel is a limited time offer. There's going to come a day where it's no longer available to those who need it. And I don't want to get to heaven and hear the Lord say, you could have done much more. You could have brought way more souls into the kingdom. You could have had more fruit here in heaven. You could have had more crowns to lay at my feet. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of the Lord. That's what I want to hear. And so I'm going to get busy doing the work of the kingdom, doing the work that God's called me to do. The greatest activism you could ever be involved in is the winning of souls and the discipling of men and women. Ever, ever. And when I pray for you tonight in just a moment, I'm praying with all of my heart that God sets a fire in your belly. I pray that we all have the same experience that Lester Sumrall had as God caught him up in a vision and he saw droves of people walking off of a cliff. They walked across like lemmings and they fought, they were falling off of a cliff and he could see over the cliff as they were falling down into burning flames. He said, I could smell their burning hair and flesh. I could hear their screams and I knew the Lord was showing me generations walking off the cliff into eternity and it gave me a fire in my spirit to preach the gospel and not care what people thought about it, not keep care what people say about it or what they uh, all the complaints they have about how hard I'm going after it. Let the heathen rage, but I am going to go after the souls of men and women that need a heart change before Jesus comes because I refuse to stand before the Lord and hear him say, you should have done more. You could have done more. I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, there is a reward for the diligent 
for those that are willing to stay on fire, not stick your head in the sand. It's not the time to be quiet. It's not the time to back up or be intimidated because of the spirit of this world. It's not time. It's time to get busy. Do the work of the Lord. Know you're anointed. Know you're filled with the power of God and step out by faith and watch what God will use you to do before it's too late. I want you to bow your head unless you're driving a car. I want you to bow your head and let me pray for you tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying for all of our family, all of our friends, those that are watching, those that are listening on the podcast. I pray that you would give them tonight a supernatural boldness. Set our hearts on fire. Set our hearts on fire. Don't let us go throughout this life calloused, walking around like zombies, putting life on cruise control and just waiting for the end of life, waiting for the rapture. But let us occupy until you come. Let us work the work of him who sent us while it's still day before the night comes when no man can work. Lord, don't let time run out with us without us doing what we've been called to do, bringing our friends and family and loved ones into the kingdom of God. Give us the words to speak. Give us the boldness to speak them. Give us a love and a compassion for souls and drill into our bellies an urgency for eternity, knowing that people are on the verge of hell and Jesus is on the way back. Lord, let us step out and receive a fresh fire in the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray it. Touch those that are sick in their bodies. Equip them for service. I pray you'd lose strength into their bodies tonight. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in them, quickens their mortal bodies. Quicken them tonight by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Touch them by the power of God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, depression has to go. Anxiety has to go. Suicidal thoughts have to go. Marriages are being restored. Blessing is on the way. This is our month of accelerated testimonies. In Jesus' mighty name, and if you believe that tonight, somebody throw up some fire in the comments section. Let me know you're standing with me and believing God for breakthrough. Hallelujah. Believe in him that this is your month to hold your testimony in your hand, in Jesus' mighty name. Believe it. Let me see it. Throw it in the comments section. And somebody follow the lead of those that have gone, Hope and Glenn and others that have sown seed tonight. Step out by faith and sow a seed. We're getting ready to hit the road again. I fly out tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow. Headed to New York where they've tried to shut things down. Some of the hardest. I don't know if you've seen it on the news the NYPD were calling out for President Trump to send in the military because even they are saying on the news, we're being told by the higher ups to stand down and let the destruction happen. Stand down and let the destruction happen. Our nation needs a revival. Will you sow a seed into revival tonight? Will you sow a seed into the moving of the Holy Ghost? Will you sow a seed into those that are lost, those that are broken? those that are addicted, those that are sick, those that are hurting. Will you sow towards souls? That's what I'm asking you to do. When we ask you to stand with Carolyn and myself in partnership, you know what you're partnering with. You're partnering with a ministry that cares for people, a ministry that will not water down the truth. Last thing you're going to get from me is watered down truth. Last, you're not going to get watered down anything. 
least of all watered down truth. We're going to say it like it is. We're going to preach it strong and loud and not care what people think about it. And I'm going to go after souls. Are you with me? Are you with me? Thank you, Lisa. Are you with us as we go to see a nation shaken this year? Let me tell you, this this year is far from over, my friends. It is far from over. We're on our way. We're on our way to the greatest end of a year that we've ever seen in the history of our lives. That's what we're confessing. The last seven months of 2020 are going to be glorious. They're going to be glorious. Thank you, Brother Glenn. And so here's what you can do. If you want to stand with us, if you're believing for God to shake a nation, a generation, you want to partner with us, go to miracleword.com. You can click on the Give tab or the Partner tab, and you can set up a monthly seed that you'd like to sow. We've asked people, and what we've prayed and asked the Lord to do is to connect us to people that would stand with us at a a minimum of $85 a month. That's a dinner with your family. It's a, a cable bill. It's a cell phone bill. Standing, but that seed is going into the ground for the winning of souls, for people to be changed by the power of God, addictions to be broken, people to be healed, and you're standing with us. Many are doing more than that. Many have started and then said, you know what? We want to increase. We feel the Lord telling us to increase. And so some started at 50 a month. Some started at 20 a month. But now they're giving largely because God's increased them. He gives seed to the sower. Some that are watching, God's speaking to you to sow a large seed, 10,000, 5,000, whatever he tells you to do, do what he's telling you to do. And I'm telling you right now, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. You can also, if you're in the United States, you can use uh, Cash App. You can use Venmo. The usernames are the same, MWGive. PayPal is available. There's many ways you can sow. Hashtag donate as others have done tonight. But step out in faith. By the way, everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm doing this tonight and this, this month. We're sending you not only this, This is the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, the New Living Translation, phenomenal resource. But we're sending you the hardcover edition of the new book, Further Faster, How God Accelerates Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. This is a limited edition. We're not uh, making these for sale. They'll not be able to be purchased in meetings or online. These are reserved for people that are partnering at $1,000 or more. I'm going to sign one of these and send it to you for your family. And um, that's our way of saying thank you to you this month that are sewing. Lisa said, what do you do after you use the hashtag donate? Well, if you've used it before, uh, Lisa, then it, it automatically sows your seed. If you've never used it before, then uh, what happens is it sends you a link in the comments section that you click on and complete your donation. But if you've used hashtag donate to sow previously, it just uses the card you have on file, I believe, and it sows your seed for you just by the amount that you put in. If you just use the hashtag donate word alone, it, it sows whatever your default seed that you set up inside the Good World uh, website is. No, Karen, I don't say that. If you're unable to do the minimum you request for partnership, you're not a partner. I don't say that at all. We, we, we are connected to everybody that's standing with us. 
And I understand there's people that at this time they can't do that. But I've had people that have called us. I, I, I love to use our friend Letty as, as an example because it's so recent and it's such a great testimony. She's probably still watching right now. She's going to come see us in New York. And by the way, come see us in New York if you're able to do it. And if you want to register, go to hisTabernacle.com and uh, and register for the services uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday, two, two or three services on Sunday as well. All the information's there. Uh, we want to see you. But Letty started. She was touched by, by the power of God and when we held the revival at, at Brian Tomes uh, Crossroads Community Church. And she started at $10 and continued to faithfully sow $10. It's, where, it's what she could do at the time. But God kept blessing her. And she kept increasing. And it kept on growing. And God kept blessing. And she still gives me. And I'm telling you, that's how God works. So I don't... You know, we don't by any means say that if you can't do, you know, what we've prayed for, then you're not a partner of this ministry. We are believing God that you'll be increased in the same way. What we encourage people to do is do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And when you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, you can never go wrong. Can never go wrong. Um, I'm going to be back in the morning again at 1030, same time. And uh, before I fly out for New York. So I do want you to join me uh, in the morning, 1030. I'm glad we got the thing figured out. If you didn't get a chance to subscribe to YouTube and hit the bell, please do that. It seems to be the most trustworthy platform these days is YouTube. So if you please do that for me, go to YouTube. If you've not already done it, subscribe to Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. channel, hit the bell so you get the notifications because I don't know what Facebook is doing, but they've been suspect. They've been extremely suspect. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. Plus on YouTube, we've archived hundreds of videos for you. We got all kinds of stuff there to build your faith and it's all free. And uh, so I want to say thank you. By the way, all the new shirts for the kids are available. If you haven't seen them yet, um, all kinds of great stuff for the kids. Check these out. Best shirts we've ever released thus far. They look great. They're really soft. I love these. I love these shirts. They're all available in the store. Not only that, got the tumblers available for your kids. And I got to say it, the nonstop mom mugs, limited edition. And unfortunately, you can't do hashtag donate on YouTube. They don't have it. But all kinds of stuff available for you. And if you'd like to sew, you can go to miracleword.com. Uh, you can always use Cash App or PayPal. Information's on the screen. Unfortunately, YouTube does not allow the hashtag donate uh, feature for some reason or another. Love you too. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate all of you guys. Thanks for sowing seeds. We love you so much. And, um, we're praying for you. Stay in touch with me via text. I want to see if I can see you in New York. We're working on the victory tribe shirts. We got a bunch of stuff on the way, bunch of stuff on the way for you guys. Very, very excited. Listen, if you didn't jump in yet, uh, with the kids, the kids have a brand new June Bible study mission going on great faith. Topical Bible study for the kids on great faith. Go to miraclewordkids.com and check it out. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. You guys are going to love it. We, we, got all, we got all kinds of stuff coming for you guys. A lot of surprises. June is going to be a great, great month. I can't wait. To tell you everything that's happening, everything that's going on. It's awesome, man. We love you guys. I'll see you in the morning, 
1030. Thanks for hanging with me. Appreciate you guys. Love you so much. Talk to you soon. Have a great night. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.